0: what's up everybody welcome to the 81st draft no 82nd draft of the untitled movie podcast 80 something uh, draft i always yeah it's been a little bit of a while since we did this only our second episode of the year um our 82nd draft uh thank you all for joining us uh i am one of your hosts matt roerbeck alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he's tomato meter approved eric marchin
1: You know, that was my second favorite uh, Stain song. It's been a little bit of a while. It just didn't catch on as much as it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What a great tune.
1: How you doing, buddy? Well, Matt, it's January, you know, and – we got a lot uh, coming up both professionally and personally, you know, um, you know, I, I don't want to speak for you. But I you know, you posted some stuff on Twitter that I'm not sure if you want to dive too much deeper into or if you want to talk about. Um, but you know, there's some stuff on on my end that I'm going through right now that's, uh, you know, family related that I, I don't want to get too much into just because, um, you know, yeah, things are up in the air right now. But you know, a little, a little bit, uh, stressful leading into, uh, our first film festival of the year. And, uh, you know, uh, here comes the sun as George Harrison would say.
0: No, I, I feel you on that, man. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been a rough year overall. I think we've, I mean, if you guys have been following along for the last, you know, almost entirely an entire year or just living um, in general. Yeah. If you're just alive. Yeah. Um, it's been a struggle, and yeah, I, I think I'm. I'm today. We're going to be talking about you know Sundance and our our preview of the festival. We're we're heading full steam into that starting Thursday evening. It's pretty wild. Our first ever Sundance Film Festival. Obviously, this year we're able to um, quote unquote attend it as well as cover it because um, they're doing it at home this year uh so we are accredited and we will be covering the entirety of the sundance film festival um but yeah man i've been struggling a little bit i um i don't talk about my day job all that much on this show i mean i think i've alluded that i worked at a a, an advertising agency and i think I, i it's not like i was trying to hide that or anything it's just um I don't talk about it much, but it is, um, the thing I do from, you know, nine to five every day and, and, you know, uh, a means to an end of, uh, of, you know, making a living and paying rent and, and, uh, and being able to, you know, afford the life I have and, and be able to do this with you and, and fuel my passions. And, um, I mean, we both do that. I mean, we've been doing this, you know, part-time, full-time, for the betterment of you, ten over a decade more, uh, me almost a decade I think, or at least a decade. And um, sometimes, you know, we make money from it. Sometimes we don't. This podcast is, you know, a passion project for both of us. We do it just because we love it, and I think it is a little bit therapeutic for me. Like even, you know, I, I look forward each week to uh, uh, doing this with you. Um, you know after work hours, but, um, yeah, I, it's been rough at my day job the last, you know, six months or so. And I think it's just a combination of, um, the times we're living in, which we alluded to, uh, as well as just some stresses and some different things that have been happening at, at work that, you know, the difficulties of working from home, just the, the pressures of, of working on multiple things. And just, I, I won't get too into it. I, I did post like, a, I hate being that person. And I said this at the beginning, but like, uh, of the thread, but I, I posted a Twitter thread. And for me, that was just, um, I quit my job, essentially. I I don't know. I I guess I should just flat out say that. I I quit my day job um, because I've been struggling with some mental health stuff that eluded, not eluded, um, uh, the root of the problem for me was, uh, my day job. And it was causing me a, a ton of stress to the point that, uh, it was not very healthy for me. And, um, I just decided that I needed to step away and just for the betterment of my health and, you know, to get my headspace back in the right part and and, you know, be happy again. Cause I, I don't think on this show you guys I mean, I'm very happy when I do this and I love watching movies and I love talking about them. So you probably don't See that side of me much on this show or on our review show or on conversations it's just because like to me this is when I can you know decompress and and talk to my best friend about movies and and do the thing that I love so um maybe that doesn't come across here but um between 9 and 5 I was uh, struggling a bit which was then affecting the other things and maybe that's why we haven't Done, you know, consistently this show, the the main show, right? We kind of moved it to bi-weekly, and then that became sometimes every three weeks or once a month, or it depends on what we were. We weren't on a regular schedule. We were we were pounding out reviews <laughs> left and right. Um, <clears throat> but you know, we were inconsistent with some other things. And I just feel like in my life in general, I was inconsistent in many other things because my work was a uh uh you know affecting my mental health and uh, I wanted to be open about it, and I, I tweeted that that tweet thread. So if anyone wants to go check it out, twitter.com slash Matt Rohrbeck. Um, I was very open of what I was dealing with. I, I won't get into details of what I was dealing with at work. and uh, But it just really started to affect me, dude. So yeah, this is my last week at uh, my day job. Uh, my last day is Friday, which is the... F- Kind of the first actual day of, of Sundance, and um, you know, nervous um, but excited. Um, uh, I just I need to take some time to you know find out what I want to do. And obviously, I love doing this, and I would love you know for this to be you know a full time career. But um, maybe I need to work a bit harder on that, or maybe I just need to figure out what I want that uh, you know a way to make money. What I want that to be. Um, because working, I've worked in social media for seven years now, and I just, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to be doing, or if I want to stay in the entertainment world again, or, or or try to find something completely different. But uh, my headspace was all over the place, and there's many different reasons. And um, I just decided that this was something that I needed to do to really, you know, put my mental health first, and and um, and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I felt like I I had to step away, like it just got to a point where you know each week or every couple of days, um, I was just like, my head was not in the right spot, and I just uh, uh, realized this wasn't good for me. And after talking with you know Nevis and my sister and other people, my doctor, um, just realized, you know what, not worth it. And uh, I know I got to make a living, but I will figure that part out, Eric. <laughs> so, right.
1: But do you feel um, at least a little bit better knowing that this chapter of your life is coming to an end, and that you know you feel maybe a little bit of relief that you know you're not going to have to stress out about this as much anymore yeah. because it was so time consuming, and and also working in social media, like you have to consider like. It, that almost feels like a 24 hour job because like it's always that's the changing, right?
0: Yes. And that's the expectation sometimes, which I don't necessarily love. And like advertising in general is ruthless and, and social media is ruthless and takes a toll on you. And when you're working on multiple different accounts, like I worked on TikTok for a while and, and that was huge, but it was also a lot. And then I moved on to other things and um. Yeah, you know what? I, I it felt like a giant weight was lifted off my chest and my mental health immediately, you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel of like, okay, I don't have to stress about this anymore. Are there other anxieties now that come up because I go, "Oh, okay. Um I what does the future hold?" Those anxieties are there. Um but I'm confident in myself and I'm confident in my abilities and I maybe just need to take a little bit of a a break and um, make sure my mental health is in a good spot and then get back to it and figure out what I really want to do. And um, maybe I want to pursue, you know, the film stuff again, even harder and try to, you know, make, write some more or um, which I was doing a little bit of freelancing, obviously with the pandemic, a lot of places, you know, had to cut back um, that I was working on. And, and Cineplex um, just loves you. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they liked my writing. Um I, mind you that we're critical of them, but um, you know, I think we're fair and pretty honest about that, but um, yeah, so I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. It, it's all good, but it gives me a little bit more time to do this with you and focus on this stuff, but also, you know, I'm going to just stick to a pretty good schedule of like, I want to get a personal website up and work on, you know, a demo reel of my hosting and, um, and other things like that. Your TV spots, your writing samples, that kind of thing to promote uh, yourself. Yeah. You know, and and then put together something and then figure out, you know, maybe I want to do more of this stuff and maybe I want to try to get paid for it. So, uh, um, I mean, we, this podcast has been very successful and as much as we, you know, it, more than I could have ever dreamed of. But um we've always kept it, you know, ad free. We haven't really gone out and tried to like would we sell out though? Um, you oh, bet your ass oh, we would. Am I gonna try after this? We'll see. Um, but you know, this is just always something I love doing. And if I can turn that into, you know, a career again, even better. Um, so we'll see. I think more opportunities will pop up and you know, I'm gonna try to reach out to more people and um and hopefully. hopefully do this even more with you and um now that my days are freed up so um obviously still going to be looking for what that next step is but i can also focus on making this the best show it possibly can be in the review show maybe review even more stuff and do more cinema scene with you or do whatever so um i'm i'm Optimistic, I guess, but you know, I'm I'm feeling good. Um, you know, you have your on days and your off days, and I think you're the same. It's like, um, is the good days and the bad days. I mean, maybe it feels like more bad days than good days right now, but I think everyone's kind of in the same boat. Um, and I think just it was a whirlwind of you know everything, and I, I again, I'm not alone in this. So, um, anyone who's listening who's dealing with similar things, like I, I feel for you and, and whether you know me personally, or you're just listening, uh, feel free to reach out if you need someone to talk about it or, um, you know, just see my perspective or how I dealt with things. Cause I know not everyone's in the same boat as me either. And I wanted to be clear with that too. Like there are a lot of people stuck in similar shitty situations at jobs and you can't just walk away sometimes because of money and because of other things. And yeah.
1: Family um, or, or obligations that are, yeah, you know, like it's, me, like it's it's a way life. of, it's, it's a way of life, right. Where like you're, you're lucky enough. I think I, I commend you so much for doing this because it's, it's, it's a hard choice to make. I mean, even, you know, now for you and, and thinking about, you know, Nevis and Sarah and your home and, and, and your family and things like that. But, you know, also just, Not knowing what the future will hold, especially at a time like this where it's not really as certain as it was before, but even before then, like, you know, the job market and security hasn't always been great, especially for our generation where, you know, we're lucky to have a contract job that lasts a year and like to have like a full-time or part-time job with benefits is almost now unheard of you know and and, yeah
0: so i feel do i feel guilty of walking away from that absolutely and um i i'm not like i'm not set up to be like oh yeah i can easily do this no this is a tough decision for me and like i in a, a couple months i'm like it might be very scary but um like i have you know I just have to be super super frugal right now and luckily there's not much to do and you can't really go out and do anything so what do I have to pay for is rent and groceries and a few utilities right so um I have enough to last you know a little while but like it's not like I you know my parents gave me a bunch of money or I have a bunch of money tucked away like I don't have really like i, I want to be you can't even steal the I, copper
1: wire out of the building that you yeah. worked at because well, you're not be there clear, like
0: yeah and i just don't want to feel like i know not everyone's can do that but i'm also taking a huge risk of just being like i i just to me health it was more important than a money thing and the money thing i'll figure out and uh i know that might be naive or might feel like you can't do that and i'm not suggesting this might be super dumb. So who knows? We'll see if this comes back to bite me in the ass. But like, um, I I understand not everyone can do that and, uh, or should do that. And I don't even know if I should, right. I have doubts every other day of if I'm doing the right thing or, Uh, some days I feel good about it. Some days I feel stressed about it. And, um, so your mental health is
1: as important as your job stability and security. I agree. You don't want that to deteriorate to the point where you can't function properly in a day to day basis. And
0: that's kind of what was happening. Right. And that's why I needed to step back and go, all right, this is a problem now. And, um, And it was affecting other things. And I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't do my job properly because of it and just the combo of everything. And so I don't know. I'm trying to get uh, better. And I I suggest everyone, if you're dealing with that stuff, talk. I said, like, my last day is this Thursday, Friday. Thursday is Bell Let's Talk Day, which, if you're from Canada, you'll probably know every year Bell does a big campaign about um, mental health and the stigma around talking about it. And it's uh, that campaign. Say what you want about big, you know, conglomerates like Rogers and Bell and 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 different. Well, especially places, a company
1: like, that has had a, a checkered history with treating some of their employees yeah. with mental yeah. health issues, less than uh, you know, accommodating and 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 accordingly, and then doing.
0: But I do feel like that day is still a very positive message i guess and that doesn't forgive them for some of the other things but it's just um that's why i posted the twitter thread and if it could help one or two people then i I feel like it's doing a a good thing and i feel like your mental health is, is just as important as your physical health and i think they go hand in hand together and if you're struggling with that stuff then talk about it with someone or you know if talk about it online or just we need to you know, make it normal, right? Because if you're feeling off physically, you have no problem talking about that. So if you're feeling off mentally, I feel like that's still just as important. And, uh, but you know what, I'm feeling good, dude. Like, um, again, weight off my chest. I'm optimistic to see what will come next. And, um, I think if you keep that, if I try to keep that mentality and, and, um, work, work hard and, 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 it should all work out and I'm, I'm confident and I have a good support system, you know, friends, family. So, um, and again, there's a lot of people going through even worse shit. So sometimes I feel, uh, very guilty about how I'm feeling, but remember that, you know, you can't control sometimes how you feel and your emotions, I feel like are valid no matter what, because they're your emotions. So, uh, but I do feel for a lot of people who are dealing, you know, with the pandemic that's going on and, you know, and, uh, just, or who
1: lost their jobs during yeah, exactly. because of the pandemic, yeah. right? Like you and, have to think about like people right now that are, you know, getting assistance, whether it be, you know, curb in the past or you know, yeah. other government uh help and and you know well, having a job workers. is also like for some people a, a way of you know having a routine and a nine to five that keeps them functioning, right? And you even know, like essential
0: workers with minimum wage and stuff like that, like I feel like for, I, that's why is I am I riddled with guilt some sometimes of just like am I a selfish prick for having you know I had this job and oh I sometimes feel like I'm being a baby or I'm too sensitive of like why couldn't I handle it and um, again it might sound weird if I don't go into details of like what was really affecting me at my job and I've talked about that you know with people close to me. I don't necessarily need, I I don't want to go into details here. I don't think you need to be specific
1: Um, to be universal about it. I think like, you know, a lot of people are even outside of the pandemic, you know, like it's something that can affect people in, in, in such a negative way, both physically and mentally to the point where there was more of a time. And there still is where, you know, like people are afraid to take that step to, better themselves because there are all those factors that come into mind like you're saying you know when it comes to you know finances family all those other things that kind of uh, you know affect you in life that you have to t- kind of take into consideration but what i think you're doing is the best thing for you because you you just sometimes you need that space to breathe and
0: sort of recoup yourself and then kind of move on. Like you need to find yourself again too, right? Like if I I started to not feel like myself and that wasn't a good thing. And um, so I just need to find that again. And I think, you know, I struggled with a lot of this stuff since oh God, since I was a kid, probably I never really addressed it. Cause I would just be like, Oh, that's how I am. Whether they're like, Oh, social anxieties or, or, or whatever. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm a pretty good people person when I get to like talking to people and I can fake it till I make it. And, uh, I'm weirdly more comfortable in front of a camera or a microphone, like with you, than I am like in front of a group of people, um, like live people or like, I would always be <laughs> Dead that people though. Yeah. People. <laughs> um, or in like high school and shit or like even before that I'd like you know be too afraid to go to like parties or like I would like make up excuses so I wouldn't have to you know go do a thing or go to a party or go to a group gathering and stuff like that and I would just sit at home on a saturday night and uh and stuff like that so I think I've dealt with like weird anxieties and and, and shit like that my whole life that I've just never really I just was like, oh, that's who I am kind of thing. And I I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with stuff like that. But if you feel like, oh, why aren't I happier? Or why don't I want to go do that thing? Or why do I not have this emotion? Then like, that's the stuff that, you know, you can let go, oh, that's just my me. That's who my personality is. But if it is affecting you in a way and you start to think about things and you just go, "Oh, maybe that is something that like I need to deal with. And whether it's seeing a therapist or, you know, talking to your doctor about it, like there are good first steps and I'm 32 and I'm just, you know, I'm just looking into this stuff now and it's never really too late. So I suggest even if you feel like, you know, you're dealing with this stuff and you don't know who to talk to, like there's always you know, again, hit me up. I'll gladly. I'm not a professional, but like, I, at least, you know, someone else going through that stuff too. And I appreciate everyone who reached out to me on social and everyone's so kind, man. Like, even at my job that I was super stressed out and I felt like I was shitty at because, like, I, you know, numerous things, I just had tons and tons of people reach out and say kind things. And it makes you realize that you're not just this version in your head based on, you know, certain interactions with certain people of like or certain criticisms of things like you focus so much on a negative thing or something like that or it feels like you're getting oh so overwhelmed with shit and your work is terrible but like really when people start reaching out to you and and understanding what you're going through and they give you that, you know, positive feedback and it seems genuine and everyone has been super super nice and um way too kind so um like to the point of like it it's overwhelmingly uh emotional sometimes with just how kind people are and that's just all i want to put out in the universe man is just like um i just just want to put out some ted lasso vibes yeah let's talk about that i'm so excited to talk about that but yeah that's exactly it dude it's like i started this year with ted lasso cobra kai as well and um Ted Lasso, especially, is just like that energy refueled me at the beginning of the year. And then I went back to work and it destroyed me again. And I just want to bring Ted Lasso energy, or I just want to be doing something that at least gives back to my community or the world in some way. I don't know if I need to get into charity work or like even what we're doing, or, you know, other podcast people, or entertainment in general, or arts. I feel like. Sure, it's not necessarily saving lives, but it is bringing enjoyment to people's lives, which I think is super, super important. It lets them either take their mind off of, you know, their stresses they're going through, or it lets you appreciate or see the world in some from someone else's point of view, or, or things like that. Where working in advertising is just like it was soul sucking sometimes in the sense of like, I just sometimes was like, what, what am I giving? Like, what, why am I so stressed about this? Like, why? And I think that's what I was struggling with a lot is like the things that I was marketing or, or using all my creativity for. And I felt like I couldn't be creative anymore. And like, I, I just didn't know what the point of it all was in like, especially in the last year going through all this stuff. And I'm not saying anyone who works in marketing like is like to each their own. This is just how I felt. And it was just, um, I don't know. It was making me become. It, I was very cynical, and I, I, I didn't like it. And um, I did want to bring that t- Ted Lasso energy or, 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 some more positivity. So that's why, I, again, another reason why I needed to get out and, and try to figure out what I want to do. And what I want to do is probably at least have meaning in my work or feel like I'm giving back in some way. Like this show, I always love. And again. Uh, doing what we do, criticism isn't necessary per se. But like, if someone gets some sort of enjoyment from our show, even if it's two people, to me that means the world, right? Anyone who reaches out and says like, "Hey, I really love listening to you guys," or or sends kind words, like that means so much because I was able to you know bring some sort of enjoyment to someone's life, alive, and then or help suggest them a movie that they might not have watched or or help them avoid a movie that they probably shouldn't waste their two and a half hours on or something like that so i don't know dude we don't have to we spent a long time on that so i appreciate you bringing it up and letting me talk about it but um we can move past that i mean i i'm starting fresh come next week and um i'm excited um but it's just a tough time for everyone and i get that and i'm just so anyone who's listening who's also going through a tough time i'm with you uh, hit me up if you want to talk on Twitter. My DMs are open. You can read my thread, all that jazz. But um, I hope you're doing well too, man. I know you're. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, like I've got some family stuff that um, you know, I'm going through right now. But it's like it's a weird thing. So my grandmother's in the hospital, and and I don't want to get too much into it because I I just like it's it's happening right now. So yeah. it's kind of like I I don't know like. I'm I'm relieved that everything so far has been going well and like considering again you know it's during a pandemic it's also you know like just stressful in general because I mean she's you know 88 years old and you know you have to think like can can she you know handle a a surgery that's you know very much um gonna take time and 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 time to beforehand as well there's a lot of prep that goes into it and she's also alone you know like because of that and like because of the pandemic and completely isolated there's there's nobody or nothing that she can really do yeah Um, so you know like it's one of those things where it's just like it's very stressful right now and uh you know, like I just, you know, I'm thinking about that and that's kind of where my mind is a, a little bit. And then also just, it, it's not, again, we are so lucky to be accredited for Sundance and I don't want to take that for granted or or feel like yeah. I'm unappreciative of saying like, oh, like, uh, I wish Sundance was this week. I, w- I wish I had some more time. It's just, you know, timing can be everything. And it's just like when when you think like you're all clear for like this one thing or you're laser focused on it and then all of a sudden, you know, life around you starts to kind of seep in, you start to realize, you know, like, you have to kind of adapt or at least kind of manage more than one thing. And that can be really difficult uh, for, for a lot of people, especially, again, when you are so sort of career oriented, or just, you know, passion driven by a hobby, or, you know, something that you you do on a regular basis, and then you have to kind of take a step back and and realize, okay, well, there are other things in you know your personal life that you have to uh, you know be attentive to, and um, those are things that that can't just be pushed to the side always or delayed because they're usually the things that are pushed to the side or delayed, you know, in general because it's it's the easiest thing to kind of move over because you know when it comes to your family, they're they're very understanding and considerate when it comes to like oh like you know what like we'll work around you in terms of if you got a podcast to do or if you have to um watch a movie that like you know a screener's going to expire or if you have this big film festival that's coming up for a week like you know you can put off that stuff that's more personal but also at the same time you have to realize that you know you, if you keep doing that it's going to eventually come back and you have to you know make some time for other things that are going on in your life and again like that's why you know our regular show has also been so you know infrequent overall because it's it's you know our lives have kind of changed over the last 10 months or so um and, and and just like news in general we don't need to do a weekly show right now because just, i agree yeah you know what it is but we when we can we will and we've been very frequent with uh regular uh you know eating the brand oh, reviews uh, yeah. or reviews and you know we'll we'll do interviews when they present themselves so like it's you know we're, we're not you know fading into obscurity or anything it's just again like it's just about the time that we have right now and what we can do. And, you know, we will be delivering a lot of content within the next week or oh, so. God, yeah, I know So it's
0: going to be hella busy, man. Yeah, but So, yeah. you know,
1: saying this now, like people will be like, what are you talking about? You guys are like, just like dumping a load of stuff on. I us. know so-
0: that's true. We are, we're probably harder on ourselves than, you know, um, then it matters. But, um, I do send my, um, best to your, your grandma. Everything will be all right, man. Like, um, Uh, She's getting the help that she needs, so uh, let's try to take your mind off of it, and we will talk about Sundance, which is coming up this Thursday, the opening night film. We are watching Coda on – that's not the opening night film, but it's one of – Sundance is interesting. Like this is brand new to, um, Eric and I, uh, obviously this is brand new to many people because this is a first digital version of Sundance. We have a little bit of experience with that, with, you know, TIFF happening in September digitally. I think they're using a similar platform than when, than what we watched, uh, during TIFF. So very excited. I, I like, I still, this show is going to be interesting. We're going to do a preview of what we're going to see. Um, I don't really know much about any of the films that we're watching. No,
1: um, I mean, I've seen a couple of things, one of which I can – I mean, I'm not going to give a review of, of Judas and the Black Messiah. We are going to have a review of that film, and I can – because the social media embargo has been lifted, I can say that I've seen the film, and, and I actually quite enjoyed it as a sort of procedural thriller in the vein of Donnie Brasco or The Departed. It's it's more of a crime thriller than just like a typical kind of you know biopic, which oh, – cool. uh, I also think it's very pointed but it'll be fun to discuss that movie um but yeah going into this the only films i'm really uh, aware of are the ones that have a big name attached to it you know whether it be edgar wright's documentary it's not last night in soho it's the sparks brothers doc or you know ben wheatley who's now not directing uh to yeah. rater two but he will be directing the meg Two, meg harder um in his movie, uh, in the earth, which has been picked up by neon or was picked up beforehand. So like those movies I'm, I'm aware of, but, but that's the thing with Sundance. Sundance is the beginning of a clean slate. Now it will also be interesting to talk about it just from the point of view of where Sundance is in the awards circuit. I mean, that's probably why Judas and the Black uh, Messiah was a last, Minute edition, they're kind of really starting to spark the award season sort of campaign for it there and and things like that. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see movies and filmmakers that we don't have a familiar sort of idea of 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 who they are and what their their style is and you know, discovering things. I think discovering you know, something new is, is what I'm really most excited about. Again, you know, we were talking about change off of the top of the show with, with, with you, you know, leaving your job and how difficult that can be, but also how exciting that can be and change and sort of looking into the unknown with Sundance is, is interesting as well. And just knowing that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to see that we're unsure of, you know, and, and A lot of those movies could be mediocre, middle of the road films. And there could be that surprise movie that just really sort of ignites, you know, the, the, the film world in a way that kind of reminds you why you fell in love with film again. And those are the moments that you always, you know, look forward to. And I think that that's the most exciting thing that I want to be chasing during, you know, this, this season. And I have to commend, you know, Sundance. I mean, they have been paying attention to, you know, the, the the previous festivals and their setups and and for the most part it's been smooth sailing for you know the digital process um and just sort of setting everything up online and selecting our tickets and and you know like i was again stressed out beforehand and i think that's where the most stress came from because it's like the morning of it, or is it going to be easy to navigate is there going to be a lot of you know problems with the site itself will it shut down will it be able to will we get
0: the movies that we wanted kind of thing because we're so used to tiff where it's like a mad dash to i mean at least in previous years when you're going in person um for certain things or to get tickets but yeah everything was pretty smooth like i mean we got every movie that we really wanted and um i leaned heavily onto you just because As we were picking this movie, these movies were probably my most stressful times at work where I wasn't even thinking about Sundance at all coming up. So I kind of was like so out of the loop on being like, I was like, Eric, I have no idea what any of these movies are. I haven't even looked at the lineup. And that's, again, that's the kind of shit that it was like affecting this stuff that I really love doing, usually I'm way more prepared for this stuff where it's like, you know, me with Tiff of like how anal I am about creating a schedule and like choosing my movies and having that all super set up where when we picked our movies that day, I was like, fuck man, Like you tell me and we're going to go see whatever you say. And, and that's what we're covering. And then we even have, the way it works is like you pick they had like premiere slots. So there's like three to four movies in each premiere slot. And, um, they said they wanted to kind of have that excitement of the festival where things premiered at the same time. And you, you had to go to one movie and, and, and things like that. So you got to pick one from each slot and we have like from Friday to Monday, it's pretty stacked with like five movies a day. Right. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and then it's like the day after you can watch more movies or add them to your thing for 48 hours. And then there's like another ten,
1: uh, additional ten ten extra.
0: And then there's an unlimited amount of public ones or whatever, whenever they go like, which are like two or three days after the premiere. So we should be able to cover everything that we kind of want, or we'll just get like a nice, you know, body of, of different movies that we'll, we'll cover and, and we'll be doing similar You know, a similar rollout as we did with TIFF this year and what we did with TIFF last year where, uh, well, TIFF last year we did the daily roundups, but I think we are going to try to review everything individually, do those kind of, you know, 10 to 20 minute, you know, sort of capsule first impression reviews um, for everything that we see. And, um, I think it definitely helps that I won't have a, <laughs> a job that I'll be able to focus on, on this and, and give it my all and then not have to worry about work on top of it. Um, and I'm, I'm excited, dude. Yeah. I'm with you where the discovery of everything I think is the most exciting because there's not in modern, you know, film watching, uh, with trailers and even indie films too, um, I feel like you know so much about a movie or you've seen the trailer a bunch of times before you see something. And the odd time with an indie film, we'll see it early enough or or I won't know much about it. But um, it is very exciting. And even at TIFF, we know a lot about the movies, but we haven't seen anything from the movies yet. Where now this is we also haven't seen anything from the movies, but I also don't know anything about the movies. So it'll be really fun to go in like completely blind for the most part, other than like a brief synopsis. And I'm with you where like, yeah, I know the Nick Cage, uh, Sono movie is playing. Uh, uh, I know that, uh, Jared Carmichael has a movie with, um, with our boy, uh, Christopher uh, Abbott, Christopher Abbott, and um, like I know who else has Robin got the- Wright has her featured yeah. yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. I know is there, and we will cover that stuff. But then there's going to be a ton of stuff with, you know, they might have a, you know, a character actor in there that I won't even know that's in that movie. But it's mostly like unknowns or or indie actors or stuff like that. And um, I'm really excited to just kind of go in blind on each movie and and just see you know what we get and i'm I'm totally with you of like i can't wait to just watch something that i fall in love with hopefully um and and didn't even know that it existed before then and that i can you know that's the thing that why i want to do this or why i want to cover movies and and cover sundance and something we've always wanted to do is because um that is part of the, like why I love this is so you can tell people like, holy fuck, I saw this movie that you have no idea about and it's so good and I can't wait for you guys to see it. And, and, and that's the stuff that excites me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's surreal that, you know, we're covering our first Sundance and we got South by Southwest coming up in March. That'll be here before we know it. And I don't even know what their film lineup will look like this year, but it'll be exciting to cover that. And, um, i don't know how you want to do the preview of if, if you know just i general- mean, I think we
1: were just kind of talking about yeah. it now and kind of falling into it but yeah, yeah
0: anything there's like anything that you remember when we were picking our movies that you're kind of curious about or or i for me it was um yeah i'm excited for uh on the count of three which is uh the jared carmichael movie which has um jared carmichael christopher abbott tiffany haddish jb Smoove, henry winkler um And uh, it's about uh, two best friends who have a suicide pact. So that sounded uh, really, really interesting. Uh, Pretty pumped about that. Love the title, John in the Hole. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's like, I guess, a coming of age story. It's got Michael C. Hall, Jennifer Ale, uh, Tessa Farmiga. um, uh, uh, CODA, which is a a world premiere on the opening night, which uh, stands for Child of Deaf deaf adults um so uh ruby it says ruby is the only hearing person in her deaf family and then uh, it's about her family's like fishing business uh, and stuff and that sounds really really interesting um anything off the rebecca hall's debut is passing um, yeah yeah passing um which is probably maybe the the most star-studded um one other than I guess um Judas and the Black Messiah.
1: Yeah, and Land, I guess, as well. Because like though like Land and Judas and the Black Messiah are studio films. So yeah, Focus Features is a smaller company, but it's a part of Universal. They have Land, so that's been submitted. And then um Judas and the Black Messiah is Warner Brothers. And again, I think they're pushing specifically as like a launching pad for the award season. So you know, the, the social media embargo has been broken, but the film review uh, embargo hasn't been uh, lifted yet for that film. But I think for the most part, that's a movie that will, you know, uh, generate more buzz because of Sundance. And it will also, I think, just be interesting as well, because like the thing that you always hear about when it comes to when you like watch a Sundance film outside of Sundance is like, oh, did like. Why am I not getting this? Or like you always blame like the high altitude or something like that. Yeah, so no now high like, no year, high yeah. altitude, so it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how the reviews vary this year. You know, like in in that way, because also Sundance has opened you know their their platform, their their you know their their system up to even more people than they have ever before because of it going digital. So you're going to get. A more of a variation in yeah, diversity the opposite in, of
0: TIFF's approach.
1: Yeah, in, in the reviews, and I think that that's going to be exciting as well because again, like a lot of these movies don't have distributors, and you know, like they'll you'll see a lot of these companies, these studios, like looking at okay, what movie is going to track, and I, and I think like the big ones that will kind of again sort of have the upper hand in this situation will be the netflixes and amazon studios and apple tv pluses because one they can afford it and two they aren't against you know streaming it day and date and releasing it you know theatrically in theaters that are open if they are open somewhere um where you might see a lot of these unless maybe like something like like searchlight like searchlight like they're releasing nomadland Land uh, on hulu in the u.s i'm not sure what's going on here I, I still think it is going to be available on itunes on the 19th but i'm, I'm not quite sure how that's working but well, like
0: i wonder if they'll do i mean most of the hulu content is going to be going to the new disney star on disney plus like i'd be really curious to see if nomadland just in canada goes straight to You know, all the Searchlight stuff in Canada is mostly going to Disney Star, right, which is going to be that new channel on Disney Plus. So that could be really interesting um, if they're doing the Hulu uh, route in the US, like if they put it on Disney Star uh in canada or they try to get the 20 bucks from everyone and they just put it on itunes which i wouldn't yeah. be surprised either
1: we're again judas and 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 the black messiah for canada anyways you we'll have to pay get that 30 dollars yeah. no it's, it's been confirmed that they're going okay, to be releasing yeah. that and the little things and that's and that's probably going to be what Warner brothers is doing throughout this entire for year the HBO Max
0: stuff yeah
1: yeah so like every couple of weeks before one of their releases. You know, streams on HBO Max, they'll send you out, they'll send, you know, press, um, you know, releases out saying like, okay, this movie is going to be available for $30, you know, for 48 hours day and date so that'll probably be be exactly what you know something like you know kong versus godzilla is going to going to be or you know tom and jerry if you're if you're if you're dying for that so i will
0: not pay 30 dollars for tom and jerry i probably will for kong versus godzilla just because i'm craving that kind of blockbuster um mindless you know what do you think of that trailer? I mean, we're going all over the place. I,
1: I I liked it. It's just it's it's weird watching that trailer, knowing that it's going to be available at home. You know, yeah, like it, I that you're you. going to be watching it at home because, like, watching the trailer. Like, again, it was never meant to be a, a, a streamer, but just where we are now, it's just surreal thinking about like this huge sort of, you know you know, episode in a series of films that this was leading up to is going to be seen mostly on, you know, on your 50 inch American TV screen. or whatever. Yeah. 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 And and I think that's kind of interesting and a little depressing because a movie like that, I think it is best suited for the big screen. Like, I mean, those, I, I love the Godzilla franchises as, as a whole, but like the American ones with the exception of maybe, you know, Garrett Edwards movie, which I think is really, really great, um, are just Dumb big blockbusters. Yeah. And I part liked of the, the novel- Gareth Edwards yeah. one,
0: and I liked Skull Island. I know you didn't, but I didn't like Skull Island.
1: But 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 with Gareth Edwards one, there was there was artistry in there, and I'm not saying that the Godzilla movies need to be artistically sort of you know elevated to a level of you know quote unquote great cinema. You know, the I I I love the Godzilla movies just for pure entertainment value, but I think what kind of gives them a bit of a pass, or especially again with. Like the the more recent ones, like Kong Skull Island, or even you know Godzilla King of the Monsters, is that there's something about watching them in the theater and having that experience with an audience and with you know great sound and picture and just kind of enjoying the the dumbness of it all and watching CGI monsters punch each other for you know, two hours where watching it at home, you're going to be distracted. Some of that's lost,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Scale of it all is totally lost unless you have some giant home theater, but even then you're getting to hundred, hundred and twenty hundred, 120 inches max instead of, you know, Yeah, it is definitely like, and we've said this before, like even Wonder Woman, not a good movie, but even watching it, I was like, fuck, I want, I wish I could watch this on a big screen. And I feel like, you know, Godzilla vs Kong is going to be that as well. And, um, some of these, you know, adult dramas and stuff like that, indie films, like I'm mostly okay with watching at home. Would I have preferred to see them in a theater? Of course, that's starting to hit me harder too, man. We're getting up to a year. Of, sure, we went to see, you know, Tenet and New Mutants, but we're getting pretty close belt. to that February 29th when I we saw Onward, which was my last, you know, real theatrical experience that wasn't, you know, again, I, I sort of count those two nights we went to go see those two movies, but like, and I guess we did technically go to the movies, but those feel like they never even really happened in my brain. Like, it feels like this weird, I'm like, did we do that as like... Um, you know that time where you know Ontario was doing okay when it came to COVID cases, or, or actually pretty well. Now we're just shit show like everywhere else. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's yeah, it's it's very weird. Um, but anyways, back to Sundance. <laughs> um, Kong versus Godzilla, here?
1: not a Sundance movie.
0: Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff people would recognize with people. So together, together, uh, which is about a um, uh. Uh, A young loner named Anna is hired as the surrogate for Matt. Nice. Good name. Uh, A single man in his forties. The two strangers come to realize this unexpected relationship will quickly challenge their perceptions of connection, boundaries, and the particulars of love. Ed Helms is in it. Tig Notaro. Um, uh, So if you want some other... Oh, Jesse Eisenberg's in a movie called Wild Indian. Um. Uh, there's some good docs coming up. Anything in the doc side that you uh, are excited for Eric?
1: Uh, as I mentioned the, uh, the, the Sparks brothers yeah. uh, doc, which I'm kind of uh, curious about, especially yeah, I'm watching
0: all Edgar here. Wright's movies right now because of the homies that kind of funny or doing Edgar Wright and review. I don't think they're doing the Sparks brothers. Cause I don't think they're getting maybe eventually they will um or they just don't consider doc's real movies.
1: <laughs> right, which a lot of people don't, which is weird cuz that's another thing this year. I mean every year this happens, you know, awards wise where like you'll see, you know, um critics groups sort of uh, you know applauding and singling out filmmakers for their first film. And both Darius Martyr for Sound of Metal and Kitty Green for The Assistant Um, have been getting like, you know, debut feature recognition, but they've directed documentaries beforehand. And it's like, so you, you don't include the documentaries as a part of their filmography, even though they're feature length and they did play festivals as well and things like that. It's like, is that. You know, like it's it's such a weird thing. Like if you start out with like directing a documentary and then going into features, and then it's like so the it's feature your narrative
0: film. narrative. De- but they debut, don't call it that. Like, there there yeah. are
1: some there are some critics groups that call it debut feature. Yeah, and it's just debut feature. And like, what does which isn't
0: technically correct if they directed no. a feature length documentary. You would you should say their narrative feature debut Uh if you're and then. Would you be eligible? Fred for Frederick Wiseman's
1: th- never directed a
0: movie. <laughs> yeah. Or would you be eligible for best first film if you directed a feature length documentary? That's what you're kind of saying, right? Like some yeah. people are them. Yeah, because I is think a inf-
1: documentary should be eligible for first feature as well. If the like again, like just depending on like if the movie's good. Like if the movie is good, then yes, I think that that should be included. But I think if you're looking at a filmmaker who hasn't done a, you know, a narrative feature previously, and then you kind of exclude their previous work that is feature length, that is, you know, nonfiction narratives. It it just basically says that, that documentaries aren't real movies, you know? And like, that's just, it's just a weird gray zone for, for some groups to kind of do that, to be, you know, uh, exclusive in that way, or, you know,
0: exclude certain films.
1: And it's just, it's, it's odd. I just, I just find that a really weird thing.
0: No, I, I'm totally with you. Um, I, you know, I used to joke and like I'm, I'm mostly just being an ass when I say that. But um, uh, it, it, docs are just always so in, weird to me because I never want to watch them. But whenever I do watch them, I think they're excellent and I really love them <laughs> for the most part. Yeah. At least the ones that I watch. Um, I just don't like seek them out. Yeah, uh, but at any time I'll put one on or you'll suggest one to me. Uh, I um. I definitely really like it. Um, so I'm curious. I think we got a, a, a couple on our on our list and we'll probably cover even more. So i um, excited to kind of just be surprised by some interesting um, subject matter. Um, trying to think of what else we want to highlight. Anything that comes off the top of your head?
1: No, you know, again, like, I, I mean, I know that I did more prep just in terms of, you know, um, picking for us, but a lot of the stuff that, um, that I've chosen, I've either kind of forgotten just because, you know, (laughs) because of life kind of getting in the way, but also like, again, it's more of a crapshoot than anything else. Like you kind of look on, you, you look at the synopsis, you see like, like something like Together Together also was picked up by, um. Bleecker street and actually Bleecker street also has um uh world to come with vanessa kirby and and Catherine watterson uh which played venice as well it didn't play tiff uh in the fall festival season last year so that's I, uh, a movie I'll that's talk to
0: you about it after have you seen it world to come yeah no has anyone no okay I'll- No, no, they, there
1: has been people that have seen it why
0: yeah. and i'll talk to you about it after yeah okay all right um I passively saw some of it. Let's just put it at that. Um, Ooh, passively. No, I it, I wasn't watching it. Someone else was, um, you know, when they used to work at somewhere else. <laughs>
1: okay. All right. Uh, all right. All right. I get you. Uh, um, Crypto is another one. Speaking of being cryptic, yeah. I'm kind of interested in because it's from uh, Dash Shaw, who directed uh, My Entire High School is, is Sinking, which was this weird, like – animated film about a, a high school that's literally sinking into the sea and they're all trying. It's like the Poseidon adventure, but oh, done. I remember an seeing it. That. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very droll and dry and like, it, it almost feels like something you would see on cartoon network or adult swim. Um, and so I'm kind of curious to see if that's going to have the same sort of uh tone to it um and it just that style it's again the style's not for everybody but i actually really liked his last feature so it'll be i'll be curious to see how this one works
0: cool man yeah um i don't have much else to say either like i'm just i'm pretty excited for it um again we I know we keep saying this, oh, but like
1: oh violation as well. We've already seen violation. Yes, that is uh, that played at TIFF uh, in the Midnight Madness section, and it is now playing um, in uh, at Sundance, and it was picked up by Shutter, and it'll be released uh, in Canada um, uh, by Pacific Northwest Films uh, at the beginning of March. Uh, on iTunes it's very and good. it's it's a very good film. So we we've seen that. And also Knight uh, of the Kings as well, which we didn't love but we really respected and appreciated. It is also playing at the fest and we saw that at TIFF when it played there.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, a little mixed on it, but still um uh dug it Yeah, Crypto zoo a good cast too with Lake Bell, Michael Sarah, um def- Zoe Kazan, Peter Stormare. Um definitely into that. Uh, we have that on our on our list, right? Oh, think. Yeah. oh yeah um no I, i'm pumped dude like it's it feels weird that we have a film festival oh our hashtag j remember we're seeing oh, that God.
1: so yeah so that one is is the one where i was kind of like do i want to review this or do i not like y- you can tell that like the gimmick of it is you know romeo and juliet for instagram the instagram yeah. you know, TikTok generation TikTok generation But I also feel like I was looking at this from like a business point of view for our site where it's like, I feel like this is something that might get, quote unquote, the young people interested. Sure. Um, So we'll see.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what I saw a a screen grab from it um, today, and I'm it'll either be totally obnoxious or kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, And it could go either way. There's been so many adaptations of Romeo and Juliet that I'm like, how can you make it like this? just, I mean, obviously we grew up with the, the Boz Lerman one, which is also, you know, taking Romeo and Juliet and trying to modernize it for a younger audience. Um, And I remember as a, you know, when did that come out? 98 or something or. 97,
1: 98. Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was like Right. Right around – I mean, that was with, like, DiCaprio fever. Like, it was, like, the yeah. one-two punch of Titanic and Romeo and Juliet that made him, like, the teen heartthrob um, and kind of made him, like, the superstar that he, he is. Yeah, um, so I'm you know.
0: curious if they'll go straight Shakespeare with it and just have the visuals be modern or if it – or, uh, you know, whatever that means. But um, kind of like what Baz Luhrmann did or if it's going to be, like – just the story but it's going to be in a modern sense and you I don't know I'm I'm, I'm curious it's I don't I have no idea what to expect from that
1: but. yeah but I feel like it'll be something that'll be a conversation starter in terms of just like you'll get a lot of attention on that because it's either like again you said like innovative and and, and interesting or just so up its own ass and obnoxious that you can't help but talk about it and be like that's the film that everyone's berating at the festival
0: yeah you know? exactly uh going through to see yeah land robin writes uh her directorial debut too or a feature-length directorial yeah. debut yeah yeah cool man yeah i'm pumped uh prisoners of the ghost land i alluded to uh earlier uh which is am i saying his name right sion sono yep. yeah um Cage his, Rage. his english language debut um which is kind of uh interesting and then yeah nick cage going into like a dark supernatural universe i'm here for it i like sophia butella as well so um i'm i'm in i'm all in on that uh the sesame street doc i'm actually very curious about i'm obviously i don't know if you did you grow up with sesame street eric yeah I, yeah i, I did I I, I it's funny
1: actually The the weirdest thing Uh, A couple days ago, sometimes you go down these weird rabbit holes on YouTube, but I was watching, I was, I was watching a little bit of um, American Psycho up to the hip to be square scene. And then this old memory of me watching um, Sesame Street, they had like a it's hip to be a square
0: yep, video. I know. Yeah, I do and so know. I watched know. that
1: on YouTube and I was like, oh man, I had such vivid memories of that as as a kid growing up and kind of being like, I think that was probably like my first introduction to Huey Lewis and the News, <laughs> but uh, uh, not American Psycho. But yeah, I, I mean, like I loved certain characters. I think Oscar the Grouch was probably my, my favorite. Um, yeah. But, but I think most kids grow up at that stuff. Like, you know, it, it's more interesting to see talk about like, oh, did you grow up with, you know, Mr. Dress Up or Mr. Rogers or things like that, you know, like the, the weird ones. But I think for most, most people, and I think even like to, to this day, like a lot of children, you know, watch Sesame oh, yeah. Street.
0: Absolutely. A glitch in the matrix. I'm curious about too. Um, I know you and I were a bit mixed on Room Two Three Seven, which was their previous film. I think they might have done one in between. Yeah,
1: the the one, uh, the nightmare is actually really really good and actually creepy. It's about sleep paralysis. Right. Um, You were
0: telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah, and it plays into
1: um, sort of like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Like they have interviews with you know. Wes Craven when you know he was still alive and things yeah. like that and, and that that doc actually kind of felt like it lent itself perfectly to what the filmmaking was supposed to be so yeah I'm I'm curious but again sort of you know uh, cautious about it cautiously optimistic
0: yeah same I mean I love the idea of the simulation theory that we're all living in a simulation and just like um that fascinates me. It seems like a great movie to just get hella stoned and watched. So Well, also um, just with watching Wandavision right now, right? Like Yeah. Oh, we should I mean episode oh, we can we talked about the first three episodes of WandaVision, which is, you know, all we've seen, which is the third episode just came out last week. Um, you guys can check out a review of the first three episodes and we're trying to figure out what we'll probably talk about it on this show and, and stuff moving forward and then we'll and do maybe a, do like a,
1: a wrap up or yeah, like spoiler, spoiler cast, cast of, yeah. of the season as a whole.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think that pretty much, um, covers, uh, you know, what we're excited about for Sundance. I'm just excited to share it all with you guys. We'll be having reviews for, you know, pretty much every movie that we watch. Um, like I mentioned over on the reviews channel. So if you're not subscribed over there, please go do so. Uh, it's untitled movie reviews. Uh, it's the show where Eric and I, you know, Every week we review multiple movies, new release movies on streaming services. Usually when they were in theaters, we were reviewing those festivals. That's where all that content lives and they're short bite-sized between 10 minutes and 30 minutes, sometimes much longer depending on the movie, but usually between 10 and 30 minutes of us reviewing a movie. So all of our Sundance coverage of individual film reviews will be over on untitled movie reviews. So go subscribe over there. Um yeah, uh WandaVision, the third episode came out. We can just talk about what we've been watching now, Eric. Um I rewatched all three episodes because um I'm a dork and I wanted to watch them in Dolby Vision 4K and Dolby Atmos Sound. Um I love it. And I'm so I'm so excited to see what episode four is because like I I feel like there was a reason they showed us three and probably didn't want to show us four and onward. So, like I either think something I don't know. I just love the mystery box of it all. I mean, it's the same shit that we talked about all three episodes, so go go listen to that review but um i I loved it even more rewatching it and trying to pick apart you know what's happening and and um and now that three episodes are out, we could probably talk with more spoilers if we really wanted to, but, um. Yeah, I just uh I'm fascinated to see and reading all these theories on if it's Mephisto or who Evan Peters is playing and like the you know just what's actually happening with Sword and like um who the villain of the show is and like um who knows what who's controlling what is Wanda doing this all and I noticed little things on my second watch that made me really go oh I think it I, she's obviously controlling what's happening here and I'm just like i'm all in dude like i love them being weird and i I tweeted this out i'm like the more disney can let their different studios get weird with the stuff that they throw on disney plus the more i'm all in on it so like let them experiment experiment and do weird things and i i was thinking today because it's only monday and i'm like fuck i want it to be friday so i can watch another episode of wandavision um you've been watching ted lasso (laughs) Yeah, Ted
1: Lasso and um I've been watching a lot of uh screeners because it's it's yeah. award season and I'm trying to catch up on the like uh the international films and things like that. So, and there's a couple, you know, movies that i'm I'm getting last minute that a lot of uh film critics in the uh, critics choice association are so um because voting is coming up for for that so i'm trying to watch as much as i can um but yeah ted lasso was a nice kind of break in between that um and and i really did need it i don't have a lot to say in terms of just like a critical kind of perspective other than i'll add to the consensus of saying like it's very heartfelt. It wears its heart on its sleeve. It's life affirming. And it's something that really shouldn't work or should be a kind of one note sort of joke that would be something that would be on SNL, especially now. Um, But somehow the writing and the performances and the tone are just so sincere and funny that you kind of can't help But again, gets sucked in rooting for the underdog story. It is—it's a classic underdog story from the point of view of Ted Lasso and how he's a kind of you know G-shucks kind of guy that always has you know a moral or something. But there, there is there—it's not just you know all sweet and saccharine kind of stuff. There is a, a a kind of melancholy to it all that I think really works as well. That has that kind of British flavor. That's not just all you know, warm hugs, but there are moments where people are allowed to let their guard down and be human. And um, yeah, I think Jason Sudeikis, who, again, I'm not the, the hugest fan, but between this and, and Colossal, I think, um he's he's doing some really interesting work and um the supporting cast around him is great uh i i really liked seeing uh anthony stewart who played giles on buffy the vampire slayer uh pop up as the original sort of owner who's um just a huge asshole and i I tweeted this the dart scene for me i think was that like i i liked it leading up to that but like that moment is so well written. And, and, and again, like you kind of have an idea that it's going to be like, you know, their version of the hustler or something like that, where, you know, uh, the, the, the quote unquote wanker hillbilly from the U S sort of, you know, pulls a fast one, but the way that that plays out, it's so you just, you just kind of have that moment where you just, you, you kind of, you feel completely in its, embrace and warmth and you you just enjoy that moment and and again like ted's one of those people that doesn't like to gloat and weirdly you think that he's going to be obnoxious but he never kind of veers into that category he stays perfectly kind of even keel when sort of you know dealing with um you know the other the players and sort of teaching them life lessons that'll pay off on the field but also you know his own stuff it it it, it's so well written and so well performed. And I think again, like maybe part of it as well as where we are right now. And, and, you know, I think people needed something like this. And this kind of is almost like, you know, I, the nice core kind of category. Like I would put this almost like next to Paddington and Paddington too. If like you need something that's just a, a feel good, but also very funny and earnest piece of, uh, you know, writing and 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 television that's out there right now you yeah know? and especially after having watched devs which i loved but that's so cold and clinical and just like existential and then you watch something like ted lasso and you're like okay yeah no i i needed that warm cup of tea to sort of soothe exactly. my soul
0: you know so Hard to dislike that character. Like, you, I, I, I'm totally with it's you. It's the same thing I, with Johnny Lawrence and, yeah. and Cobra Kai. Like, yeah.
1: you love those guys for who they are, you know, faults and all. And, you know, the performances from both of them in their respective shows. You you know like you just can't wait to see them on screen again and see them interact with other people and and you just kind of enjoy it for what it is and again Cobra Kai is another show that should not have worked I'm still baffled that I love it so much dude
0: I'm currently rewatching Cobra Kai because so. My my year started, yeah, we started with Ted Lasso. Uh, we ended the year with uh, Cobra Kai season three, which premiered on New Year's Day. So most people started their year with that. Um, Nevis and I were trying to find something to watch and I, I, I talked her into it. I was like, can we please watch all four Karate Kid movies and start Cobra Kai? So Eric... I rewatched all four our uh, karate kid movies with Nevis in the last week. Um, and we started Cobra Kai. So we're on episode five of season one. So we just finished, um, let's say, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't watched, but, um, Eli's transformation just happened. And, um, a couple, I felt like we got to that episode that I needed to get Nevis to, which is episode four of season one, where I felt like, miguel and eli and a couple of the big like uh, and and obviously um daniel la russo like i felt like episode four of season one is that kind of turning point where everything i feel like kind of flips a switch and clicks and that's what i wanted to get to so we watched the first four episodes maybe five episodes last night um and um I'm so happy that now she gets to experience this and it's so fun watching it with her and like Is she enjoying um, it. Yeah, she I mean, obviously two, three, and four are not the best movies. Um, we both I think like watching them now again, like I, I'm so glad I did it even so soon. Um, like I mean, it's only I watched them in December, right? So um after watching Cobra Kai all the way through now, it's been a lot of fun to go back to the beginning and rewatch karate kid and rewatch karate kid part two and part three. And then I, unfortunately we rewatched the next karate kid, but I was like, all right, Mr. Miyagi's in it. Everyone loves Mr. Miyagi, but like, who knows if, you know, Julie will show up in the future. If Hillary Swank will show up. So we need to watch this just in case. Um, But no, she loved it. She, um, she really loves, uh, she loved Mr. Miyagi uh, throughout the entire series. And I I think she really fell in love with that character, um, not to speak for her, but just from the conversations that we've been having. And, um, and we got to that episode where, you know, Daniel visits Mr. Miyagi's grave in Cobra Kai, which is also like episode four too. Um, and, uh, it's just like it going back and knowing everything from Johnny Lawrence's story in Cobra Kai and watching, rewatching that first movie in the beginning of the second one. And, um, I had a blast rewatching them and I, I, it was really nice to see, you know, Nevis really enjoyed that first film. And then, you know, we kind of, there are elements of number two that I think she enjoyed and that I enjoy. I love the death fight, fight the at death. the end. Yeah. The death fight at the end is awesome. And then also number three is fun to watch because of terry silver <laughs> like um she was like do people talk about him being like a, a a iconic movie villain and i'm like no not enough people talk about terry silver well
1: they were trying to make thomas griffin like an action star so like this was like so after the success of Die Hard, and also with the success of Um, like some of the canon movies kind of becoming cult films, they were trying to find like the, like also with Seagal. So Seagal was the other kind of like at that point was with you know under siege and you know uh, hard to kill and and above the law, they were looking for the next kind of like mixed martial artist action star to kind of follow in those footsteps of you know Seagal, Bruce Willis, but also even like Chuck Norris, where you have somebody that has a little bit of charisma but also can do maybe some stunts and things like that. And they were trying to build him up to that, and it just never kind of happened.
0: Yeah, um, but I I love his it's so over the top and so silly in that third movie that it's just kind of, it kind of makes that movie fun. Um, even though like all three movies are just the same. It's like Rocky as well, right? Like they're the same movie over and over again. Um, if it was a comic book film though, he would become nuclear man by the end of uh, the movie. So, um, it was fun to watch those and then like uh i just think like mr miyagi again like sitting down and actually watch like i feel like my first time watching them i kind of passively watched two through four because when i watch movies by myself especially movies that i know aren't super good for like or people say that they're not super good like i just kind of passively watch them and in, in the background or whatever um it was nice to sit down and actually like put my phone down. Cause whenever I'm watching a movie with Nevis, I make sure that like, or, or with you or, or whoever I want, if I watch a movie with someone, I pay attention to the movie. Cause I put down my phone. Cause I'm trying to respect, you know, the other people I'm watching the movie with. And I sit down and I watch the movie when I'm by myself, rules are at the window. Sometimes depending on the thing, like a movie we're reviewing. Yes. I, I'm going to sit and watch the whole thing. But like, if it's just a movie I have on because I'm, want to throw something on um i might have to be paying attention to it or doing other things but it was nice to sit down and just like watch the movies all the way through especially now seeing cobra kai and loving that show so much so um i'm pumped uh, to watch more it's just like with sundance coming up and i have a bunch of screeners that i gotta watch even before sundance so like after this i mean it's almost 9 p.m but i gotta th- i want to throw on a screener to try and get some stuff out of the way, even though I want to watch more Cobra Kai with Nevis. Um, So uh, having a blast with her and it's fun having a, a a really fun show. And just like even going back to Cobra Kai from the beginning, knowing everything that happens is just kind of, um, I think definitely worth it. Like knowing everything you know and going back to the beginning and seeing Miguel's transformation and just seeing all these characters from the start, knowing where they are now is is a lot of fun so even though you know i just watched it but um having a blast watching that with nevis um also watched uh the john wick trilogy um which i haven't watched in a couple years but again a lot of my watching habits obviously surprise surprise tied to kind of funny in review so they're doing edgar wright in review and john wick in review tweeted my hot take of sean of the dead which i know most people don't agree with no nope, um, not at all you um, are
1: on an island by yourself
0: uh s- dude i just couldn't like i remember saying that because i remember seeing uh the world's end at world's end the world's end what's world's end the world's end with you i remember going to the screening and i remember telling you being like i don't really like the cornetto trilogy man <laughs> and, like i'm I in- doing the
1: press junket for that just a side yeah. tangent here and the press junket you know where it was trump no. hotel
0: oh was it yeah great yeah. they used to do a bunch of stuff there um i think people avoid that um very much is it even in toronto anymore do they rename it something else i
1: think they renamed it um to something but yeah else, like right? by the time you got to like when he was running like i remember that year at, at tiff like they were just like they still were using it but they put everybody in like the bar next to it which wasn't called the like it didn't have Trump's name on it, but they didn't want to like. That's where I interviewed um, Anya Taylor Joy and Robert Eggers for The Witch. Um, but it was also when like it was right after Trump had made the announcement about like you know Mexicans being horrible people, and you're just like, yeah, oh boy.
0: <laughs> um. Yeah. So I rewatched Shaun of the Dead. Um. Still, and Hot Fuzz. Um. And I ended up really, really enjoying Hot Fuzz. Uh, didn't really care for Shaun of the Dead. And I think those movies with, you know, the Cornetto trilogy, um, all kind of satirical in nature on different genres, the zombie movie, you know, the action buddy cop, cop movie, um, mystery movie or whatever you want to call that second one. Um, and um, and then the sci-fi alien movie in World's End. Like, I, I think if you like the genre that they're kind of um, – Satirizing, I feel like maybe you you get into it a bit more. Like zombie movies, ironically, I love The Last of Us, but like zombie movies and zombie, you know, content was never really my thing. Like I just zombies did nothing for me. Like I zone out with zombies. Yeah. And I yeah. And then I never got into, you know, Night of the Living Dead or Romero stuff, or like I just never cared for it. And I just found zombies to be kinda boring. Um so, you know, a lot of the stuff that it's poking fun at or paying homage to, like, I think just goes over my head and to the point where I'm like, I just don't think it's very funny or very, you know, uh, 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 interesting or even inventive. And I just kind of like, I sure, Edgar Wright's style really comes through that you see throughout the rest of his filmography. But like, Shaun of the Dead, just, I tried my hardest to get into it this time and I just couldn't. Uh, I remember watching hot fuzz back in the day and thinking the same thing, uh, being a dumb, you know, teenager, whenever that came out. Um, and I didn't like hot fuzz either. And rewatching it this time, I'm like, Oh no, this movie's awesome. This is really, really fun. Um, very funny, um, ridiculous third Timothy act. Timothy Dalton. Yeah. <laughs> Timothy Dalton is fucking funny. And like the whole movie is very, very funny and very entertaining. And, um, and I think, because I like action movies and cop movies, like I felt like I could get more into it because of that. Um, Also it's
1: references to, you know, point break and bad boys specifically. And like just how it kind of, Edgar writes one of those guys that I think is actually really good at doing the cake and eat it too kind of thing where like I've complained before I've been very critical about like a movie like Kickass, which is trying to mock the genre that it's in, but that also it's trying to become the thing that it's mocking or the thing that it's sort of satirizing, where Edgar Wright does it in a way that is both funny to point out the flaws of those movies, but it's still loving and it feels sincere because it is from the point of view of somebody that loves those movies and knows- how they work and how to sort of sort of take the mechanisms of them and, and structure it through the script and the direction and the performances, especially in like his camera work specifically. Um, But I don't disagree. I I agree and disagree with you on Shaun of the Dead. I agree on the zombie genre for the most part, with the exception of Romero um, who, I mean his latter his last zombie movies weren't great, but night and Dawn of, of of the Dead are great movies and, and social commentaries on civil rights and consumerism. And the best thing about those movies are never the zombies themselves. It's always the people that are trapped in the situation and the minutiae and details that go into sort of – fortifying a location that you're stuck in if you have well-written characters that are in a situation that is dire it becomes like a heist movie it's almost like an opposite heist movie where you're trying to keep the things from coming in instead of trying to you know get into the safe you know you're trying to keep them out um but i i do agree with like the zombie itself being probably the weakest you know creature or or monster in you know a canon of 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 genre that has so many other creatures. I mean, I want more mermen in in horror movies. Um, but yeah, I, I like that's where I agree with you on that. Like zombies themselves are boring. Like they're just not that interesting. It's only interesting when you have people that you care about. And that's not to say that like that, that's how horror works in general. If you care about the characters in a situation that is life-threatening, then that's it's working. And Shaun of the Dead has this tone where it's both playful in its comedic aspects of sort of pointing fun at the genre but i think there's some really wonderful moments with like bill nighy's character and and penelope wilton as uh the stepfather and mother respectively of 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 sean And, and i think the relationship between peg and frost is still really really lovely and 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 sincere and 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 fleshed out and feels very much like you know it's them coming off of doing space together all three of them and and things like that so i i disagree with you on on you know Shaun of the dead as a whole because i think Shaun of the dead for my in my opinion is edgar wright's masterpiece and his best film uh, out of everything that he's done so interesting um, yeah but and and weirdly, like Hot Fuzz of the the Cornetto trilogy is the weakest movie of the three, but I still love it. Like I still have such a, like it's like a solid four star movie, and like I love what it becomes, and almost how stupid like the the reveal is of like yeah. why people are mysteriously disappearing, and like what's going on within the town, and like just even like the goose thing and stuff like that. Like it's it's all so much fun, and as I mentioned, like seeing a lot of these British character actors, and and like you know Timothy dalton and edward woodward and people like that pop up it's uh it's a lot of fun and then i think world's end is the most serious of the three or it feels like it is actually trying to work through some stuff i can't believe that was seven years ago i know we're gonna be dead soon matt like this is this is crazy but but i am glad that you're giving it another go it's it, it is interesting as well because like i know that you really love and I do too. I, I we both really like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and even Baby Driver. And you know, like his style, Edgar Wright's style is still very much a part of those movies, but they're more North American than you know his his Cornetto trilogy. So I wonder if maybe that's part of why maybe you like those that's movies a little bit more.
0: You know, my cause you hate British people. I hate my hate for the British. No. um, Sometimes it just doesn't click with me, right? The humor. But um, I definitely like Edgar Wright in in despite of not really loving that trilogy. But I'm curious now. I might like two thirds of it because like, I am I will watch The World's End. I know Scott Pilgrim's next because uh, Scott Pilgrim was before The World's End. When did Scott Pilgrim come out?
1: Scott Scott Pilgrim was 2010, wasn't it? Because oh it was God, the same year as really? Inception and uh, wow. uh, True Grit.
0: We are getting old, dude. Scott Pilgrim's 10 years old or 11 years old. Oh yeah. Cause it was the 10th anniversary. They were going to do that big re-release. Right. Um, and they never did. I cannot believe that movie is a decade old. Um, so it Drive's
1: I, a decade old this year.
0: I know it's wild, man. So I'm going to watch Scott Pilgrim first and then I'll jump into the world's end. Um, I, I'm curious to see if Scott Pilgrim holds up. I, I obviously really loved that movie. Um, I know some people have some issues with it, but I mean, Scott is supposed to be kind of a piece of shit. So,
1: uh, <laughs> probably the best video game film ever made.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, going back to the John wick movies, I think those are some of the best video game movies ever made, even though they're not based on video games is like, they just feel like they are based on a video game or should be a video game. And, um, just the way that they're structured and just like that way that world building is in that game uh, or in the movie just feels very video gamey. And I mean, that as a compliment, um, that's why I, I weirdly would like, people would get mad if I made a best video game movies list, I might put the John wick trilogy on there. (laughs)
1: Um, i don't disagree with you on that either i mean i don't love the john wick movies for the most part but i do think that by design they are structured to be like video game films or at least the idea that you could make a transition to video games if like the series became unpopular as like a film series like it would probably be a great way to kind of like continue the the quote-unquote brand that it's Created cuz they were supposed to do a TV series at some point too with the Continental right
0: which definitely makes sense um and i was looking that up today and i know they had that you know Ballerina spin off with Le- Len Wiseman that they were going to do and um uh, yeah that i just i i really do enjoy those movies even though they do feel a bit samey by the end but i do feel like they get inventive enough with the action sequences to try to change them up that i feel like i, I just finished number 3 today um i still have similar feelings about number three that i did in theaters where it started to wear me down a little bit with its length and you know it it does take this big break when it goes to morocco right yeah 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 and Um, when
1: when we meet up with Halle Berry's character and i love the sequence first chunk that first half an hour new york I even love that. Like, I think that is amazing. And I wish the film could keep that. Like it's hard to keep that momentum going. Like that's the kind of thing that still astonishes me with mission and possible fallout that it's able to include exposition and info dumps, but still never like the thing when you're like working out, the thing you never want to do is take too long of a break because when you're sitting down, you feel tired or fatigued. And that's what kind of happens with, with, John Wick chapter 3 like you've had this adrenaline rush workout watching you know him escape New York
0: and how he does it and it's incredible and when, it's, and when it slows down it kind of yeah loses that yeah. momentum and I, but I do feel like watching the movies back to back to back is really exciting because they all take, like, it's just relentless in the way that like that, those three movies basically take place. I feel like within a couple days of each other, right? Like he's yeah. just nonstop from the beginning of chapter one. Well, all that's in, Liam Neeson nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are like, I, I really do th- feel like that first movie is expertly paced um, with some really great action sequences. And then each movie has its highlight. And, um, I just, in the third one, yeah, that opening 25 minutes is incredible with the knife fight and the library fight and just like, um, there's all these cool sequences. And then the I, horse, hear, the barn. yeah, the, the horse is amazing. Yeah. The horse kicking to the people's, oh my God. There's so many inventive kills in the third one. Um, that did we review it on this show? On, I don't know. I don't know if we did, or maybe it was back. In an old show i remember reviewing it with you i don't even know how long we've been doing it and when this movie came out um anyways but the third one i think is bookend by some really great sequences um in new york the morocco stuff like i like the Halle berry dog um sequence and stuff um but it's two and a half hours almost and i feel like it it's bookended really well and it kind of slows down in the middle, but I just still love the world building and like the whole continental and that like everyone's an assassin and like you have these different factions. It just, that's what feels the so coins, fun. right? The coins the- Like it all feels like it's this like really ridiculous world, but like they've really, it feels thought out and it feels very fleshed out in the way that like, it's not believable, but it is a lot of fun how these assassins work and what the rules are and like John Wick's history as the Baba Yaga and like um, – um It's almost like,
1: comical because it feels like who isn't an assassin? Like that's, that's the movie I would funny, like to see yeah. in this universe. It's like it seems like everybody is.
0: That's what I mean. And like that's what I love about it, that it is the real world, but like everyone is an assassin. And it just – um and it's a blast like the the action is very creative and i just feel like um those movies are thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable at least to me and and um i oh and
1: mark dacoskis as well i really liked it i, I, well. I did like Sh- him
0: because like i can I, I
1: liked him i liked him in the sense that like i like his character i think it's funny that you have someone that is like almost weirdly starstruck by John wick, but also yeah. at the same time wants to kill, to kill him. him. Yeah. I think that is funny. And I just like Mark Dacascos because I'm thinking of iron chef. That's or- all
0: I can think of. And I can't get it oh, out Double of my Dragon. head. Yeah. That's the two things people bring up. And like, for me it's iron chef. Cause dude, I was obsessed with iron chef as a kid for some reason, the food network. I w- always loved. I loved Emerald live, uh, Emerald Lagasse. <laughs> um, and I loved iron chef. And, um, I can't get him as the chairman of iron chef out of my head. I just can't do it. So when he's fighting John wick, that's all I'm thinking about. And I'm like,
1: he does start off as a sushi chef.
0: He does. Yeah. Um, but I just couldn't get that out of my head so I could never take him seriously as a villain. Um, and I don't like, I, I find the, the fight with him at the end is not super exciting. Um, and then he, f- uh, also fights the guys, uh, from, or the guy from, is he from the raid? Uh, there's a bunch of guys from the raid in it, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And that
1: final showdown that takes place with like, like all the glass. Yeah. Breaking.
0: It's cool. Yeah. Every set piece is, is super dope with the lighting and, and, and everything. And I just, it, I feel like it is obviously style over substance, but the style works. Um, and there is, it's like a weird substance in the, the world building part of it. The story's pretty simple, but like, I love the world building. So like, yeah, I've had a blast rewatching, uh, the John wick movies as well. Um, so that's pretty much what I've been watching. Anything else on your end?
1: Yeah. I mean, other than the screener stuff, I have uh, allotted a little bit of time to just rewatch a couple of things since we last talked. So, uh, Kino released a Blu-ray, uh, version of John Frankenheimer's The Train, um, which is a really solid 1960s action film with Burt Lancaster, um, as a train engineer slash, uh, conductor who during World War II, um, still under Nazi-occupied France, right before the Allies kind of come in, um, a German captain played by Paul Schofield is trying to load up this train with all this valuable art and – Ship it back to Germany so the Allies will not be able to get it. It's basically what Clooney tried to do with uh, the Monuments Men, but made the boring version of that. This is like an action movie for for the most part. And John Frankenheimer, who I mean, has done tons of great stuff, whether it be the Manjurian Candidate, the, the original version, or you know, even Ronan with with Robert De Niro. There's an amazing car chase in that. Um, this is such a fun movie. The transfer is amazing. It's a it's a recent Blu-ray release from Kino. Um, it was was originally available on uh twilight time um but this this version uh is definitely worth uh, picking up but it's also just a really solid film uh for anybody that's looking for you know like a 60 set action movie that's shot in black and white that kind of deals with like you know real time kind of exhaustion as you see you know bert lancaster's character trying his best to sort of sabotage this train from reaching germany and pulling out all the stops and derailing it as much as he can. And um, it's, it's so suspenseful and it still really works in sort of a modern age and looking at it from the point of view of like, you know, 2021 perspective and, and it still has like this contemporary kind of feel to it with the adrenaline of it all, um, which I really, really liked. And then I also rewatched, it was on Tubi and I don't know if, if people know what Tubi is, but Tubi is a free streaming service that has commercial breaks, it did have commercial breaks when I watched the film. I'm talking about um, James Foley's After Dark, My Sweet, which is a early Did it 90s. have commercials or did not? No, it didn't. It didn't. But Tubi usually is known for having yeah. commercials during their films. And it was the, – the movie is about – it's just under two hours. So uh, there, I was waiting for like that commercial break through you know, at some time. Um, but I hadn't seen it for a while. It, um, James Foley directed – it's like a neo-noir Um, early 90s erotic thriller that stars Jason Patrick as an ex-boxer who goes from town to town. He has a mental disability after being in the ring and sort of a dark history with um, sort of boxing in itself, and you learn uh, as you go along. But he also kind of stumbles into a uh, kidnapping scenario and sort of becomes uh, complicit in that, working with a widower that he becomes attracted to, played by Rachel Ward, and a scuzzy ex-detective uh, played by the always amazing, uh, mustached uh, Bruce Dern. Um, nice. And it's, it's sort of this kind of – it's. I really like the movie quite a bit. I mean, James Foley now is not the same James Foley who directed that and Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross. He also directed the sequels to uh, Fifty Shades. Um, but an erotic thriller from James Foley in the early 90s. I mean, the word Lynchian has been used quite a bit recently with WandaVision. After Dark, My Sweet isn't necessarily Lynchian, but it was much more surreal than I remembered it being, especially because it is from the point of view of this boxer who has suffered brain damage, and you kind of are seeing it from his point of view to the point of where the movie does these weird kind of like cuts and flashes throughout to sort of kind of disorient you in the way that the character might be disoriented and the way that time kind of lapses. Um really really well done and Jim Thompson stuff is really hard to adapt. Um he's a crime novelist whose stuff can be quite dark, disturbing, bordering on misogynistic. I mean he he was a writer in the 1950s and 60s and did a lot of like, you know, potboiler kind of like noir stuff. Um the only other adaptation I can think of off the top of my head that didn't work that was kind of a, a bigger, uh, adaptation was the Michael Winterbottom, the killer inside me with Casey Affleck, um, Kate Hudson and Jessica Alba, um, which was not very good. The book is very strong, but I'm also very excited if, um, Yorgos Lanthimos is going to direct, um, I think it's like population, uh, like 182, which is uh, again, very much in like the vein of what you would expect uh, classic Jim Thompson stories to be um you know delusional lead kind of going through something but also at the same time um the characters around them um sort of underrating uh you know the 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 lead so it, i'm i'm very interested to see how that's going to work in like the book that that Yorgos is going to try to adapt is one of the nastiest pieces of writing uh I've I've read. And like I'm I will applaud him if he's able to pull it off because it's like a lot of people find his stuff polarizing in general, especially with like more so with like killing of a sacred deer and, and dog tooth and alps. But this is like the ultimate test to see if he, you know, he can make his style mesh With something that is already so cold and clinical and just mean, but mean in that kind of like trashy kind of way, in that fun,
0: trashy kind of way. Cool, man. Um, Nice. Um, We don't necessarily, I mean, again, like Eric mentioned earlier, not a ton of news, but – I mean the biggest thing is a bunch of movies got pushed into fall again. I mean surprise surprise. Uh theaters still Sadly
1: out. Morbius will will be a 2022 <laughs> release.
0: Um yeah, Morbius got pushed. Um you know everything that was, you know, up until the middle of the year, Bond got pushed For my um, birthday,
1: which I'm excited about. It won't open then, it but won't
0: come out, but yeah. Bond got pushed. Uh a bunch of Sony stuff got pushed. Um the King's Man, uh, The King's Man, got pushed um, again. Quiet uh, place, yeah. Quiet two. place. Everything that was scheduled to come out in the next couple months basically got pushed to the fall. So I'm sure over the next uh, you know month or so, we'll get even more release dates shuffled. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, the big thing, obviously, uh, not obviously, but um, Sony uh, Animation ended up selling Connected to Netflix and retitled it. Um, the
1: Mitchells versus the machine.
0: Yeah. The Mitchells versus the machines. And uh, I like connected as a title better. Um, Yeah. uh, But I'm excited. We'll be able to see that. Um, There's a movie that I don't necessarily need. It'll, it would look amazing in a theater, but I could watch that at home. So I'm happy, you know, we're getting something new and we're getting, you know, a Phil Lord, Chris Miller produced, um, you know, in the, in the same animation sort of style as spider verse, Yeah, the animated Um,
1: version of you.
0: Yeah. 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 That's very, that's funny too. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of, um, uh, obviously it's their follow up to Spider-Verse similar style, uh, animation wise to that. And I like what Sony animation is doing, um, right now after Spider-Verse. So, um, excited that we'll be able to see that sooner rather than later. Um, that was one of the big things. And I'm just curious to see if any other studios end up, you know, selling off some of their stuff to uh streamers i know there was you know there was the thing where bond was tried to be like they tried to sell bond for 600 million dollars which is way too much money um there were rumors that you know apple and and uh netflix were trying to buy top gun from paramount but paramount didn't want to uh sell it to a streamer right now or or at all um so it'll be interesting to see with some of these movies if they just keep holding stuff or if the wall kind of breaks uh sooner rather than later i mean the warner brothers thing didn't kick off you know the the end of you know studios putting things out theatrically because warner brothers seems to be one of the only ones doing it universal has dipped their toes a little bit with things from focus features and you know their short release windows um with some of their stuff that they have been putting in theaters um but you know Disney still holding down that they're saving their stuff for theatrical, other than a couple things that they moved to Disney Plus and um, Sony and Paramount are the interesting ones. Paramount is launching Paramount Plus soon. Sony doesn't have a streaming service, so that's why Connected goes to Netflix. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. Like I'm really bummed. Like I, I'm feeling it lately. Now that we're coming up to that one year mark of of oh, this. Oh yeah, March. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to really, really, like, I already missed going to the movies, but um, maybe it's the state of my, you know, mental health as well. Cause that was one of the, you know, my constant of something that I really, really enjoyed doing. So maybe me being a little depressed lately has made me think about how much I miss going to the movies even more. Where before I was well, it's like,
1: also just having something to look forward to, right? Yeah. Like, that's the big thing.
0: Yeah. So um, we'll see. I mean, I, we'll start to see even more stuff probably get pushed into um, the fall and uh, with the vaccine
1: searchlight as well, or or searchlight as it is now um, they haven't even date. They didn't even bother to date um, the French dispatch. So, um, you know, it kind of goes to show you that like they are adamant, at least with that movie that they'll release it. Theatrically, when the time comes, because they announced like movies like Antlers is now coming out in September and the Eyes of Tammy Faye and things like that. So they'll, I mean, they'll they'll probably work accordingly. Again, like we talked about, Land getting released on Hulu and things like that. So um, we'll we'll see how that goes. But it, like even something like that, like Land is like one of those movies this year or last year or even into this year that I did kind of feel a little bit bummed that I didn't see it in a theater because it's such a beautiful looking movie that it feels like again. it would lend itself to the theatrical experience and i still appreciated and loved you know the cinematography but like i think watching that in like a big theater with you know other people would have been kind of an amazing experience to have and maybe even love the movie more which i you know already love it so it's getting an imax (laughs)
0: release where i don't know know, like who knows yeah new zealand maybe Uh, i'm not sure yeah there's probably other countries that you know are handling this a bit better than north america so um i'm sure it's going to be released in in imax is it because it worked
1: really well for the empty man right am i right
0: yeah all right guys um thank you for joining us for our sundance preview slash eric and i catch up on what we've been watching on um, always enjoy doing this. Thank you all for listening. We'll try to, you know, I, again, don't have a day job now, so we might be able to do this a little bit uh, more often even, um, might be able to live cast. We'll see. There might be, you know, you might hear a lot more of us, but, um, please go subscribe to untitled movie, uh, reviews. All of our sudden coverage will be over there. We have reviews out right now for, you know, things like WandaVision, Cobra Kai. We do television reviews sometimes, um, we'll have reviews out for you know everything uh, coming up. It's been a little slow in January, but now that we're getting into Sundance, we'll probably have twenty plus reviews for you in the next week. Um, as but we- there's still
1: stuff people can catch up on that are that's now available on premium VOD, whether it be Wonder Woman 1984, our review Promising of Promising Wonder Young Woman, Woman, or News of the World. So there's 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 plenty of content yes. you know for for you to look at
0: couple great conversations over on Untitled Movie Conversations with Joey Noel and, and Nick Scarpino from Kind of Funny. Go ch- check those out. Uh, a conversation with Joey Magison from Awards Radar. We're full force into an awards season, so that was a fun conversation with him. Go check that out. Um, please go uh, follow us on all of those social medias at Untitled underscore cast. Uh, drop us a review if you would be so kind. Um, that really helps us out um and as always my name is matt roerbeck you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt roerbeck
1: and i'm eric marchin you can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene and on the social medias at em6211 until next time you might as well be walking on the sun sure